This is the weekend edition of the Core Report. Hello and welcome to the Core Report. So Indians are traveling more, not as much as before COVID, at least when it comes to international. Roughly 20 million Indians traveled last year out of the country. The number was about 25 million the year before that. But more importantly, Indians are spending more. They spend about $13 billion, more than a billion dollars a month in overseas travel. And that's something that's caused the government to look up and come back with a bunch of interesting restrictions. One of them was tax collected at source for credit card spends over 7 lakhs. And then on Forex, that's taken out of the country. So if you go to the bank and say, I want Forex to travel overseas, then there's a tax on that. Now, that tax is returned to you when you file your returns at the end of the year, but it's nevertheless a problem. So that's one part of it. More recently, over the last weekend, actually, the Prime Minister Narendra Modi said that he was wondering why Indians were having weddings overseas or spending on weddings overseas. Essentially, referring to the trends or trend of Indian families going overseas in pretty large numbers and celebrating overseas. Now, his concern was more to do with the fact that could we be spending all of that money internally? That's in India. Our view on that is that perhaps there's not enough supply at that cost to do so in India, but that's a different issue. But the larger question that I'm trying to address today is, what are the trends that we're seeing, apart from all these pressure points, if you call it that, what are the trends that we're seeing, both for international, which I, I just touched upon, and travel within India, which we've seen a lot of shifts in the last couple of years. And what are they looking like as we look ahead towards 2024 and we end uh, 2023? To do all of that, I'm happy to be joined by Jyoti Mayal, President of the Travel Agents Association of India. few lines on the Travel Agents Association of India. It is as old as India. It was founded in 1951 and has about and represents about 2,500 travel agencies and companies and people involved in the business and therefore can be considered reasonably and suitably representative of the industry as a whole. Jyoti, thank you very much for joining me on today's show. So let me start with a somewhat broader question. You've heard the way I've led into this, that, you know, there are some pressure points, which is that there are constraints on Indians traveling overseas, though the desire to do so seems to be as high as ever. Skyscanner research report, for example, says that 86% of travelers plan to take the same number, if not more trips abroad in 2024 versus 2023. And there are other points that I can come to later. So your broad trends and as you're seeing them today and as you're seeing them ahead as well. Thank you for getting me here to share my thoughts. Yes, you're right. TIE is the oldest association and we have our members into outbound. So I think that's a very relevant question that you're asking me to straight up with it. I would just say a few things before you, you even remarked on Honorable Prime Minister. But yes, we will come to that later. So the trend is there. Post-COVID in 2023, what we saw was that people were trying to connect with their own family, friends, and suddenly life became very important for them to move out and travel a lot, to reconnect, I would say. That was the more thing. And I hated the word called revenge travel because I don't think tourism can ever be related to a negative word. So I think it was more like reconnect travel and we wanted to meet all our old friends and colleagues and family. But going forward, 2024, is it's looking very bright. And I think it's the trend is that the tourism is going to be increasing. Of course, it did increase in 2023. But uh, again, we're talking about outbound firstly. I think there are certain things that people are looking for when they travel abroad. The first, the focus is now changed a bit after COVID and also after travel since 2022. 2023 is looking like more like sustainable and responsible tourism is in most of the people's mind. And, you know, we being a youth country, 
the young ones are totally driven by that. So I think that's what they are really focusing on. Secondly, they are looking at technology and personalization in a big format because they are the next gen or the, you know, the ones who are only glued to technology. So they are looking at that change and that change is coming very, very quick. We see the AI, we see the chatbots, people are doing itineraries on AI and chatbots and actually sending it to us to say, can you do this for us? So we see a huge shift where that is concerned. Third, I would also say that the latest trend that has started post-COVID is experiential and transformative travel. Because I think people are looking for experiences now. They are not looking to just go from A point to B and, you know, staying in a hotel and just doing the same stuff what they have been doing since so many years, looking at a monument or looking at the regular stuff, you know. So they are looking at experiences, how they are going to transform their lives, how they would like to reconnect right to the roots of the people, how they would like to go and try the local cuisine, meet the local people to see what drives them. So there are a lot of experiences that people are trying to explore and that a huge shift which I'm looking at. Also, when we come talk about tourism, I think the one thing that's moving much more quicker is the rise of remote work. People are looking at long-term stays. People are looking at, you know, leisure, leisure with business. It's a very strong trend. If they're traveling out also, they want to spend more time. They don't want to make it very, very short to come back. They would love their families to join in. So these are the trends we are looking at. Also, I would say that, you know, domestic travel, when we talk about domestic travel, the travel restrictions, of course, are no longer there. So people have actually enjoyed during the COVID time, they have really gone out for domestic travel. But there is a time for them to now shift back to international travel also. And India being such a huge population, you know, we will always have people traveling domestic and international. So to have the thought say that we should not be traveling out, I don't think is very correct the way we look at tourism. Domestic travel is now here to stay because people who went, like it came with the full service carriers and the low cost carriers too. When low cost carriers came in, we realized that the people who were traveling on the low cost carriers were the ones who were usually actually traveling by train earlier. Yeah, that's the shift we saw. And then, of course, the others got an opportunity to start traveling by train. So as and how the exposure is becoming more, infrastructure is getting better, we've realized that now domestic tourism is always going to be a growth issue, growth related, and it's always going to be there. But international travel, you cannot hold people to say just travel domestically. So that's one of the things. And yes, when I'm talking about low-cost carrier, I would say the train travel has also gone up a lot. So it's not only by air, the train travel has also gone up a lot. Then, of course, last two, which I would say is people who are looking at experiential, also looking at health and wellness retreats. Because that's what COVID has taught them, that they need to look after themselves and their families. So that's another holiday that people are looking at beyond the regular leisure. And of course, the multi-generational and the group travel is also on the rise. So these are the few changes we have seen from 22. And now this is where the people are really heading for. Right. Okay. That's useful. So let me start off with the first point. And you said that you don't want to use the word revenge. And that's a good point about revenge being a negative term. So if you were to look at, let's say, the post-pandemic surge. Now, this is not just travel. This is across, let's say, consumption that's happened. People are still trying to figure out what's the base that we're coming back to. What's your sense? I mean, in terms of travel, so let's say people did a lot of reconnecting late 2022 and 23. Would that continue? Is that the new base? You know, where are we settling down is my is my really my primary question. 
I think that would always stay at the back of our minds. We are not going to forget COVID so easily because I think COVID has touched each and every family and each and every person. There's no one who's actually not been affected by it. And we've all seen real, we've gone through challenges. So somehow it's like, you know, when India had 1947 happened, you know, it's that thing, something that our parents carried with us. So I think COVID is going to carry it at the back of our minds. So we will always look for a comfort level when we are traveling. We will always want our families around. We will think three times or five times unless it's really driven by family again to travel very far from home if we are going alone. So I think these things are in people's mind and that is how they are taking travel forward. So if they are traveling places, they certainly want their family to be traveling with them. And if they are traveling alone, they want to travel low so that they can come back if something happens. So you're saying that people are traveling more because they realize what they lost out in that period that they could not travel? Yes, and also the family time, the value time that you spend with each other, somehow that disconnect had happened. I think during COVID, we all got much closer and we wanted to spread out. Typical Indians, you know, we are very family oriented, but we also want our families to be safe. And we are those types who will always, you know, sacrifice for our family and friends. I think that's inbuilt in us. It's nothing like, uh, you know, it's come after COVID. That's come out more. So that is reflected in more families traveling together as far as, I mean, your industry is concerned. That's, that's what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. The other point you mentioned is, which is interesting, you're saying that a lot of people are traveling for longer outside for two or three reasons. One is the health and wellness experiential. Experiential by definition means it can't be a two or three day thing. And you also mentioned that people are looking at long term stays because they want to work outside. So they continue working outside for whatever, maybe a couple of weeks. But is that reflecting in your, let's say, the duration of tickets booked, the amount of time, like let's say pre-COVID, it may have been four to five days and now you're looking at seven to 14 days or something like that? Yes, that is happening. The stays have become longer for people and especially if it's within India, it's become much longer. Some people are just going off for 15-15 days and saying, just book us and our families will join us, whatever it is. Even internationally, we've seen that there's an increase in the duration of stays, yes. So could that be the reason why the spend by Indians, I mean, I'm referring to the same outward remittances data that Reserve Bank put out a few months ago, is that's increased because people may not be doing more trips because in terms of absolute number of people or trips, we are still less than pre-COVID. But the time that people are spending outside is increased. I'm sure the cost also has increased and therefore the value is much higher. Yes, you're right. The cost has increased, of course, because the airfares are very high. They are skyrocketing. So are the hotels, you know. I think they are making the best of the time. All the hotel prices everywhere in the world has gone up. So I think though all these things are affecting the growth and the spend of traveler. And of course, when you're traveling on such high cost, especially the airline, then you want to stay for a longer period because you don't know if you'll be able to afford it. There are a lot of people who cannot afford a second travel quickly. So they will have to really plan out the travel to say, okay, let's drive the value that if the ticket is costing much higher, we might as well avail the opportunity of spending more time in that place. So we are a family. We are traveling together with friends and family. The cost has already been borne by us. So let us spend more time. So all these things are actually instrumental in the increase of expense and spends outside. Right. And you talked about sustainable tourism. And is that something that is really big or is it only for a certain class of, let's say, young people? Is it really showing up in your own numbers yeah, I think, you know, sustainable tourism is, I know I've been on a lot of platforms and we've been discussing sustainable tourism. Is it a buzzword only or is it really going to happen? But, you know, we have to come to a realization ourselves of where the world is going. And we've seen that 
if the people don't understand sustainability in the long way, but they understand the change of weather, the change, the way we are, the weather is increasing, changing, the winters are more, the summers are more, whatever. You know, we see that and we see the pollution, we see so much things happening. So I think the basic is into everyone's mind, the youth, of course, because they are Googling more, they have got Dr. Google to tell them, they have AIs to tell them what is happening globally. So they are getting more and more glued onto it. And looking at that, a lot of airlines and a lot of hotels you see are changing their format of existence. A lot of hotels are like saying we are sustainable, we are using these sustainable things. We go for a lot of classification of hotels as Thai. We've seen the change coming into the hotels that everyone is getting into the sustainability model of recycling, carbon imprints, or whatever it is. And so are the airlines. A lot of airlines, we did a survey recently. I did a survey with a private sector that what are the young looking at? You know, they are willing to pay that $1 extra or that 500 rupees extra if the airline is controlling the carbon diet emission. So they are people, youngsters. So the airlines are coming out with a model that, okay, and saying and reiterating that and, you know, making people aware that we are. So I think all these things are for the youth to understand more, but it's with everyone. I think you and me also understand it. I mean, you are young, but even as a person like me, I understand it. We are saying no to plastics very and effectively. But I think the only thing that we are missing out there that we need to educate people more. What is no plastic? Is it single plastic use? We just quickly say that no to plastic means a water bottle. That's not true. You can always refill your water bottle and walk around the whole day. So that is not a single use plastic. So you have to have that clarity. What is sustainable in all formats? You know, so that is what education needs to be more. Okay. So let's talk about outbound travel for a moment and let's pick up on the interesting trigger, right? Which is the most recent one being that Malaysia has joined Thailand and Sri Lanka in giving visa-free arrivals or travel in for Indians and of course Chinese and others. So Malaysia is new. Thailand had some form of visa on arrival earlier. A lot of Indians obviously go to Thailand. Malaysia has now joined it. Sri Lanka is also part of it. Vietnam is being reported, is also considering visa-free arrival. What does this mean in your mind? I mean, both from the demand side, because all these countries are doing it because they obviously want to bring back the tourism numbers. They're still below COVID. And from the supply side, which is Indians wanting to go. Are Indians sort of headed there? Does it make life easier for them to, you know, just go to a Bangkok or Kuala Lumpur as opposed to going to Goa or Jaipur? I think it's a wonderful move. I really applaud the countries who are looking and looking at the future like that. Because one thing I feel is Especially by Indians, you know, we are the late risers. We are the ones who love to party. And we are the ones who on a Friday evening decide, oh, it's a long weekend. We didn't realize it and we need to get out. What visa do we have? And we look out for countries which don't have any visa. So it's like saying we are wooing you. And you feel very important that, you know, even that one rupee free, it makes a lot of difference. You may spend thousand rupees at one thing you get for free is always more appreciated. And we Indians know that. So I think it's a huge opportunity for the countries to woo more Indians and it's very effective for the Indians, especially who are always the late risers that need to travel. A lot of countries are looking into it. Of course, India and China are the largest population. So everyone is wooing India today. And with the economy going so strong and our infrastructure getting good, we having much more disposable incomes, the youth earning much more. I think they are wooing us and why not? Let us feel very important and proud of ourselves that they want us everywhere. So a lot of countries are looking at it as recently I had taken a delegation of 570 people. We had a convention in Sri Lanka and they were actually supposed to announce it while we were there because we were very much in touch with the president himself and he was very much wanting to woo India more. And believe you me, 
they've already overcome the 2019 figure. That's amazing. And when tie goes anywhere, you know, these things happen. Wherever we go, footfalls multiply. And we've seen that growth and we've seen it. And that's why we said we need to develop regional tourism. We really need to focus on regional tourism. And I would say not only going by the region, I would say we should go beyond the region to any flight which is within the five hours flight time. There should be a connect and no borders for all of us, leaving a couple of countries where we can stay away from them. But otherwise, it should be, and that's one way of sustaining even anything happens tomorrow. Every day we hear a new disease coming, pneumonia coming today, tomorrow it may be something else. So we within our region used to must treat this region as one country so that it becomes an extension of domestic tourism. And we actually see the growth not stopping and act, give employment to people and not really struggle the way we did in COVID. So all these reforms, and I think India should also follow this for certain countries. Yeah. But this is really people going from India, this is outbound. We don't see that much, and these are small countries, of course, inbound. So does it really help us beyond a point? It helps us to travel for sure. India needs to decide that if do they want them to come in or not. So India needs to be more liberal where their e-visas are concerned. I think they should also have more e-visas. Thailand also had e-visas. I just came back from Cambodia yesterday. They also have e-visa, but it takes three days. But they also have visa on arrivals. I had to go just immediately. I realized they had visa on arrival. So for me, it was not difficult. And I believe you me, I got my visa in three seconds when I landed there. It was literally three seconds. So these things do make a difference. And of course, it will impact tourism a lot. So we as Indians and our government has to decide, are they wanting? They could always be screening. They could always be everything. They could always be with technology moving. You could know the person coming in. But this should become more viable and it should be more ease of travel happening. Right. And that's an interesting point. I mean, we all talk about it, the power of the Indian passport. And you're saying that power that we feel actually makes us book. We like the privilege of booking late as opposed to, let's say, maybe people in other countries who may book several months in advance. And we obviously also feel good that we don't have to go and pay that visa fees. And that incentivizes us in some ways to one is book late and then go obviously wherever we want in the region. That's how we are. That's the way we are. We love that one freebie for ourselves. But I think it's, it's a huge opportunity to travel. Firstly, secondly, we should start thinking beyond tourism only. This should be the extended arm of domestic tourism for us. If we can go to Kerala, I can also go to Almaty. I can also go to Azerbaijan. And you know, you've seen a huge growth in these countries. Azerbaijan, Almaty, where the new flights have started, Vietnam. During COVID is the time they really educated all our members. We had, I don't know, maybe 20 Zoom calls with them and how they actually started marketing Vietnam. And now you see all flights full and you find maximum Indians there because they are exploring new destination. It's a spread out destination. It's not an overcrowded destination till now. So people are enjoying themselves and the tourism is growing. So you're saying that one reason why we are seeing more tourism to Vietnam from India is because they've marketed themselves also. So it's not only because all Indians or people like us suddenly said, oh, I saw this on Google and let me go to Vietnam. You're saying there was a concerted effort by Vietnam to work with organizations like yours to attract tourists? So two things that go always well with the client, with travel agents and the clients in the end is, of course, marketing. Marketing always will play a very big thing, though even it could be social media, but marketing is marketing. And secondly is a direct flight. A direct flight between countries will always enhance tourism because it's the ease of travel. Again, I don't have to transit through any other country. And because now it's becoming a long-term stay, I think we've seen that, that people don't mind going to only one country, but spending a good time there. 
So that's how these countries are actually benefiting out of the way Indians travel. And the, another thing which you just remarked was advanced purchase. After COVID, we've seen there's a decline in the advanced purchase. You know, earlier, we all have uh, relatives, like I'm saying, in Canada, Australia, you know, where the Indians are live a lot, or America. Parents who are going to visit the children, and they are so many, they would book at least a year in advance because they know they have to go in June, you know, or the summer holidays, you know. So it was like a given thing. They would come literally a year before to... We don't see that happening immediately. There are certain who are still following it, but the maximum has had a shift because the cancellation is a huge process and people don't want to lose out money and everyone has hard-earned money. And post-COVID, you know, a lot of people have literally starting again from the ground zero. I mean, they would love to have the cheap fares, but they're still booking in the end. So closer to the date, maybe three months in advance, four months in But the majority still says the bookings majorly are being done 45 days in advance, not beyond that. Okay, so you mentioned Sri Lanka and you said that Sri Lanka is, it's not just COVID. Sri Lanka also had, I mean, they had political trouble and they had protests and all of that. So you're saying Sri Lanka has come back to its pre-19 traffic, tourist, tourist arrivals, despite all of this. Yes, they've actually finished the 2000 number. They've overcome the 2019 number in June. So you can imagine they have still have half a year left. There's a huge increase in footfalls for Sri Lanka. I must say they are a very effective outgoing country, the president himself, very effective. The minister of tourism is very outgoing. Call them anytime in India. They'll come. They'll look into everything. So I think the way they behave is wooing them, wooing people going there. They are very nice people, very soft people, very much like Indians. I think it's really a destination value for money. Right. You know, you mentioned Azerbaijan and Kazakhstan, I think. There are direct flights now, including from Delhi. So people are going there. Last year, I was seeing Azerbaijan had some 60,000 visitors from India. I think this is the 2022 number. This is the MasterCard figure, I think, where they also talk about how India is the new China and so on. But how does this work? Where does the pull come from? Is it airline which finds out potential markets, goes there and then everything follows? Are people like you working on trying to say, okay, what could be the next destination and then airlines follow? There are both sides to it. We also work very collectively and closely with all the tourism bodies of different countries. The thing what we do, because we work very closely with them, we keep looking at new destinations. We also start interacting with all the governments. And during COVID, we interacted with a lot of governments. Vietnam was one of them. Kazakhstan was another. We ourselves, 73 of us, went to Almaty. So we look at destinations and we promote them. We support the international governments, but we also push it with our own ministries. Like Cambodia is wanting a direct flight and we are pushing it with the government. So we keep looking at this and of course it has to be mutually driven and we all work together towards that growth. And what are the new destinations that you're looking at both international and domestic as potential growth or new destinations in the next year? So we are looking at Cambodia like I told you I just came back yesterday. The Cambodia is one destination we are looking at because there are a lot of Indians there, there's a lot of Buddhism there. So we know there could be a footfall both sides. And they're also wanting to come to India a lot. Then Laos and the oldest Indian temple is there. That's what I say. All the close-by countries where the travel is within the five hours, I think should be exploited and, you know, come out more. Egypt flights was our push that started Egypt again. Egypt from Delhi. They had a flight pre-COVID from Bombay. But now they have a flight from Delhi and they're starting Bombay and then they are increasing the flights. So we are going to be seeing an increase in Egypt too. So all these countries, they'll benefit. Because we have a huge, strength is huge. And we can really, even our one-person population travels to each of these countries, we still have enough to handle. So I think that's why I always say that. And 
you started off with that comment saying domestic tourism there is place for domestic and international we should not curb any of those you know the government is worried i think this is more from a finance balance of payments perhaps point of view they saying okay indians are spending a lot of money overseas it's not like our forex reserves are crashing or anything but we've always been concerned that you know if we there's too much dollars going out then that could be a problem that's one part and then the prime minister says that you know i would urge you he doesn't force you it's not a regulation or something but he's saying yeah, i urge you to have those big weddings in india which i think to me is a interesting question because it's not like there's that much supply available in india to hold that many weddings here but how are you seeing this i mean all of this which is the moral plus let's say the the financial kind of disincentives to spend overseas or take forex out overseas for the purpose of travel so i have my own opinion on this as an association president and a personal thing i feel that yes it is a urge but if you are increasing the taxes that doesn't mean it's an urge that means you are actually been told that not to travel outside i'm a very straightforward person so that's the reason i'm putting it like this like i said there is an opportunity for both growths domestic and international with such a huge population you can't curb your growth in one way you are actually developing your country you are bringing in everything and second way you are saying you can't travel unless i travel how do i really educate myself i can't be only domesticated and travel and get knowledgeable about the entire thing secondly the most important thing when i feel when these things like these come into the limelight is can an airline survive on a one way traffic can an airline survive it cannot each seat is perishable one seat goes vacant that means you've lost a huge amount that can only happen if there is traffic from both sides you know you cannot survive on one side of travel and it will not happen it is only because when i as an indian go out and meet people abroad i'm the best ambassador of my country and believe you me so are you because everyone who travels what are we portraying when we go to any a country we are indians if we are talking well walking well getting ready well we are portraying india what india is today we are not wearing those old and uh, we are not the snake charmers like old times we are the new year generation so unless i go out and i actually educate the masses there who are not even coming to india how will they come to in so i see that when i go and interact with people there their thought process changes some of them you know americans are the most i would say conservative people when it comes to travel they only know how to travel within their own country you know 60% of them don't even have passports so how do you go and tell them hey we are indians we are not a country of snake charmers only we are the country of charmers you know please come to our country and see what we are who we are so i think this thought needs to be changed and you know making it difficult is only going to make you lose out on the actual taxes and the actual payments is not going to affect your tourism in the long run because people will still find because they everyone has a family and friend outside they will still find ways of traveling paying everything and also not only that lot of indian travel agents have already opened offices out in america and different shows what are we doing we are also losing the basic tax that's coming into country yes our business is getting less the travel agent is being deprived of business but believe you me tourism is not going to go down and talking about weddings i think you know a recently a country and not naming anyone they would me they said can you come do a india show into our country is it what do you want just bring the wedding planners here we want you to portray weddings of india here you know so they are getting both ways they want to have weddings in their country but they also telling them to go back to india to have their weddings so it's a two way traffic and that's what i believe in i always say it very strongly tourism has no borders the covid 
you couldn't stop the covid even if you stopped the close the borders they did not need a passport or a visa to travel so why do we close down why do we restrict ourselves why do we restrict our footfalls going anyway i think more the merrier and believe you me domestic tourism will not go anyway as long as infrastructure keeps getting better as long as the last mile connectivity gets better as the ease of business comes in protection of the traveler comes in insurances come in so we need to develop all that then to say we are scared you never be scared of any competition that's what i believe in because i think there's space for everything as long as you know what you're delivering is absolutely to the best so i think that's what it is right jyoti i think uh, that's very insightful and i sort of pause and maybe stop at that last point that you made that as we travel we are also ambassadors to the world to bring that world back into india which means more dollars which should hopefully you know bring a smile at some point to the finance ministry or the reserve bank who's tracking all of this very closely but also think about our region as one and again both ways we go and people come back and of course we look forward to all those new destinations happening thank you so much for joining me thank you for having me uma that was the core report with me govindraj ethiraj do stay connected with more of our coverage at the core you can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter for our exclusive stories one in depth feature a day on www.thecore.in do also track us on linkedin where we usually post synopses or extracts of our top stories and interviews we would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant including of course india's vibrant manufacturing sector so write to us at feedback at the core.in and thank you once again for listening